Hello and welcome to the Work Matters Podcast, where we discuss what matters at work and how to make it better. I'm Robert Richardson, here with Dr. Steve Hunt. Steve, what matters at work today? Belonging matters, Robert. It's that feeling that you belong at work, where you feel appreciated and part of it and fully recognized for who you are. And this is a major issue. It's always been really important in work, but it's interesting. It's becoming even more important. One of the interesting research done at, by Qualtrics, actually, in 2020, found that engagement used to be mainly driven by things like career development and recognition. It still is. But recently, belonging has become the most important thing, that feeling that we belong where we're at. Have you ever faced a situation where you felt like you didn't belong at work? I think everyone in some way, shape or form will face a situation like that. Uh, At some point in their career, um, you're going to feel a sense of you're being treated. I don't know if it's unfairly or not right, just because people don't understand you. They don't appreciate you. And I think in my own life where I've definitely seen it is in my family. I have people in my family that are doctors and are women. And when they enter the medical profession, Now it's changed, but at the time it it was not a lot of women in the medical profession. And I remember people literally like one of my sisters was basically said, what do you mean you want to raise your children? (laughs) They didn't literally say that, but the assumption was if you're in this field that you've outsourced all your family care responsibilities to someone else. And it was mainly men who'd created a role for men who did not spend time with their children. And she had two daughters and she's like, I can't do that. And it was a real challenge for her. She's overcome it and gone on to do great things. So I've seen it in my own family, mainly around gender, but it can affect everyone. It affects us on age is a big issue, ethnicity, culture. For some reason, you feel like I am not appreciated. I can't be who I really am here because I'm expected to be someone else. And we feel like we don't belong. This is a really significant issue. And it's why I'm actually super excited to have Arthur Woods on, who's a social entrepreneur who works at the intersection of equity, inclusion, and technology. He's a co-founder of a company called Matheson, which makes technology focused on bringing people in, diversity and recruiting hiring. But he's also sort of devoted his career to understanding what drives that sense of I don't belong and how to create more of a sense of belonging. So, hey, Arthur, welcome to Work Matters. Steve introduced you and you've spent an enormous amount of time in this field. What motivates you on this topic? Why does this topic matter so much to you? Well, first of all, guys, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I appreciate the space that you're creating for this conversation. I have to just start by saying that, you know, this topic matters to me so much because of just of my own lived experience. So I'm personally in the LGBTQ community. Um, I started my career hiding the fact that I was gay in my earliest job interviews and they observed homophobia from my earliest teens. And I believed wholeheartedly that I had to be a different person at work completely than I was at home. And I didn't feel safe in my own skin and I had to sort of conform. That feeling um, was absolutely crippling, you know, to walk into the workplace every day and, and not to feel like you're yourself and to not feel like you can be successful being yourself and to not feel like you can survive and advance by being yourself. That is truly the worst feeling. And it's a feeling that a lot of people have every day. We want to feel a sense of bullying because we want what we do every day where we spend the majority of our lives at work to be a reflection of our values and to be a reflection of the community that we want to be part of. 
It is interesting. One of the challenges I feel like in part is you may not feel like you belong, but you may not understand that that is the sensation you're having, right? There's Mm. so much ambiguity at work. Is it the project I'm on? Is it the environment I'm in? Is it just the fact that now we're adjusting to this new Zoom-based COVID reality? What are the signs? How do you verify that your feelings are correct? When we think about safety at its very core, that is belonging, that I feel safe. I feel a sense of security. I feel a sense of psychological safety. And what you see many times, and this happens in many cases somewhat naturally for folks, is this need to say, I'm not conforming, I'm not fitting in, I don't feel personally safe, so I have to code switch. I have to change who I am or or how I represent myself to actually Mm -hmm. fit in and to feel like I am part of whatever environment that I'm in. And you see that happen naturally. I think it also leads directly to, you know, when there are conversations of of things like microaggression, microinequity, you see these small signs where someone is treated differently and then immediately feels like they have to conform. And this is a sign. When you feel like you're not safe in your own skin or you can be yourself and you basically have to sort of change aspects of that identity to fit in, these are complete signs of a lack of belonging. So if you are out there and you're feeling something is wrong, think through, do you have to code switch? Are you one person in one meeting and one person in another or one person in the home and then another as soon as you flip on the uh, the Zoom meeting or the Teams meeting or whatever platform you happen to be on? Or are you receiving a number of microaggressions? In those cases, you know, what should you be doing? Why not just keep a stiff upper lip and, and put up with it like so many people have in the past? Since so many people experience this every day, it's easy to think, I go to work and this is just the norm, right? This is how I have to just sort of accept this, that this is the way it is. And sadly, for so many underrepresented communities, and Steve, you brilliantly were bringing this up earlier, that there are so many groups today that have been the minority in the workforce that have had to live with this feeling of being different and either code switching or just accepting being treated differently and not belonging. And we're at this really fascinating moment in the world where in many cases, society is waking up to this being unacceptable. And so people, for the first time in many cases, are really feeling empowered to make a change. For many of us, we have to make a conscious decision as to what is possible to change in our environments. And sometimes it means going into a new environment. For many others, that isn't a possibility. And there's, I think, an ability to start really looking at how you change the framing, basically the you know psychological framing of what environment you're in, And also the approach that you take to your daily work to ensure that you're proactively feeling more embraced and looking at the ways that you can actually influence that versus simply being victim of not feeling belonging. Arthur, I'd like to dig into that. You know, I'd like back to the example I was talking about with my sister who basically it was like, well, you're not supposed to take care of your children if you're in this Mm -hmm. job. It was this high pressure medical thing. And and she was fortunate that she's like went and found another job, actually, that they said, how about you work for us and you can work less and we'll pay you more. She's like, "Okay." (laughs) that doesn't happen, right? Usually for a lot of people and they're in jobs and you may feel like, I've got to conform to get my to either keep my job or to advance my career, right? Yeah. You hear the phrase about lean in. And what is the advice that you'd give to somebody who says, look, I don't feel like I belong, but I don't want to be that person who's complaining because it's hard enough to feel they don't really fully appreciate my whole self. But if I start raising it, then it's probably not going to get better. And I could even, it could hurt my career. So I want to pursue the profession, but find a way. What advice would you give to somebody who finds themselves in that situation? Well, Steve, it's an important question because there are so many cultures actually that have been taught the moment you don't feel like you belong or the moment you're, you're sticking out, assimilate, 
put your head down, don't make waves. And so I think in many cases, it actually creates even more pain for people to raise their hands and, and say something's wrong. It's easier to simply just toe the line. So what really sort of inspired me on this front is, is there was some amazing research done over a decade ago by a researcher from Yale named Amy Wersniewski. She wrote about the fact that when we look at basically what motivates people to work every day, roughly a third of our workforce the primary reason they come to work is to feel like they belong and to feel a sense of purpose and to connect with other people and, and have strong relationships. And what she found was happening in, in the case that they actually researched was in hospitals, where there were hospital janitors who said the primary reason that they come to work is for purpose and to find belonging. And how on earth could a hospital janitor have such a rich sense of belonging at work when you look at the grueling tasks and responsibilities that are expected of you, right, as a hospital janitor? And what she and her team discovered was that hospital janitors, primarily driven by belonging, did this process called job crafting. And it is changing how you frame your work and the approach you take to your work to make it more meaningful. In this case, to bring greater community to it. And what they learned hospital janitors were doing to this effect was going out of their way to build relationships with patients, telling jokes to grieving patients and their families, moving paintings around in long-term care units where a patient stare at the same wall every day. I'm going so far as I'm not just saying they're there to sweep the floors, but they're to create community and value for patients. And I thought this was such a heroic example, even in a job that we would classify as maybe somewhat lower autonomy, right? The creative energy that can be brought to bring belonging to whatever you're doing. And I think that is representative of what we all can do in, in whatever job we're in. Well, I think it's that, that focus on appreciation. Because I guess part of the part of belonging is that feel that you're fully appreciated for who you are and looking mm. for places in your work when you get that appreciation. It's, it's interesting you're telling that story. My wife is also a doctor. I, I joke with my family. We don't become doctors. We marry doctors because it's easier. That's, but you um, are a doctor. Dr. Steve. So you yeah. it, it clearly translated I'm not, over. I'm, I'm not a real doctor, though. but my wife, I, she's a Hispanic woman and also has encountered some of these issues, too. And this is probably where I personally have seen it the most in my own life. And she has this jar of cards she's gotten from patients over the year. And every time she gets a card from a patient, it's, you know, appreciation for what you did, da, da, da. She puts it in this jar and she said when she's having a hard day, she reaches into this jar and it's huge. It's, she's actually filled multiple in her career, but she pulls this out, this little jar of appreciations from patients and it reminds her that people really do appreciate me when I'm feeling frustrated and that story yeah. I told just that came yeah. to mind immediately. So if I'm in a job and let's maybe step away from the medical profession but other yeah. jobs where you've worked with lots of people in this what are some other tips for this idea of job sculpting or job crafting where you can say you may not get full belonging from the culture or your manager, but you can find it in other ways in your work? What are some other things you've seen people do in this area? Yeah, well, what's interesting about their work, and again, it kind of all gets back to the, the sort of research of, of what we strive for in work in terms of intrinsic value is growth and impact are the other two major parts of this. They really do feed into your sense of belonging because we constantly want to grow and learn new things and, and kind of healthfully get outside of our comfort zones. And we want to know that our work matters. You know, that's a big part of, to your point, Steve, about this idea of appreciation is that we want to feel like what we do every day, we show up to work is meaningful. So I think there are a couple pieces here. One is for us as individuals, constantly seek out that work that gets us out of our comfort zones to learn and try new things and to constantly be stretching ourselves. And that can be done in addition to our day-to-day -day responsibilities. There are constantly ways we can gain new perspective and learn new things. And it doesn't have to only be what's written in the job description. I think constantly thinking about why your work matters and asking colleagues 
when I do this, how do you see it impacting our long-term efforts? Looking for ways to remind yourself of the impact that you make. Because again, if we feel like we just come and push papers and we're not really doing things that actually create value, that eats away at us. And I think the other piece of this, Steve, is also looking at the role that we as colleagues and the influence that we as colleagues have on people experiencing these things. You mentioned being appreciated. A recent study on diversity from Josh Burson and his group found that the primary way that we can help people feel a sense of belonging, that we can really advance our diversity and equity inclusion work is to listen to people and ask their opinions and um, bring them in and really just get their perspective. And, you know, imagine the moment someone asks you for feedback and feels like they're really listening to you. That is what inspires belonging. Wow. You, you respected me enough to ask my opinion. You value what I'm saying. I feel like I belong here in this conversation. It's such a simple but profound point that we need to talk to people. We need to listen to that. I think what you mentioned also just about constantly using every opportunity to acknowledge people for the work that they do and what we notice. Take a moment to just thank someone and imagine how great that feels when someone has acknowledged the work that you do and, and that they understand what you do. Well, I think they're hitting on these concepts where you could be in a culture that makes you doesn't feel like you fully belong, fully appreciated, but looking for things that you can find it in work. And and this is temporary thing because, you know, I think we do want to talk also about what if I decided I've had enough, I'm time to move on to another job. But this point of looking for people that you work with that can give you a sense of appreciation, the type of work that can allow you to grow, that makes you feel like you're building for yourself and looking for other individuals. And I guess the last thing you were talking about reminds me of the research on allyship. What if you're in an environment and you're trying to seek out a belonging? It's one thing to, you know, to be an ally is to show, to listen and show that empathy. Is there any advice for like somebody saying, hey, there probably are allies in your company that you can find. But, you know, again, mm. people, they don't feel like belonging. They're worried. They're nervous. There's risk. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think so much of this comes down to sort of centers of energy, right? So you find these pockets of concentrated community where, where people share your values and where you can really tell, in many cases, we're drinking out of the same well, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, there are natural places, you know, if your organization is large enough, this may be your employee resource groups, your affinity groups, your diversity councils. This may be groups that have formed based on common values, common interests, where you can gravitate toward shared view toward work, a shared value of belonging, a place where you feel like you can talk to people who have some of the same perspectives, where you feel like you're really understood and embraced. And so I think constantly look out for those centers of gravity where maybe are looking at the world and standing for things that really uh, ascribe to your values, right? I think there's constantly the ability to also somewhat surface this conversation with our colleagues when we start to think about, are we complaining constantly about what work isn't? Are, are we hearing colleagues that are taking a more maybe forward-looking view of work that we are, that we can say, wow, that person probably maybe looks at work the same way I do. That's kind of a kindred spirit. And so I think constantly just being sort of aware of where do we find those centers of gravity that we can kind of engage and gravitate towards. Otherwise, we find ourselves sitting on back-to-back -back Zoom calls every day, transacting in work while we are looking for community. We have to sort of put our lens on through which we, we sort of look at everyone and say, how can we make those connections and really look out for people who share our mindset? So what if somebody has done all that? What mm -hmm. if you really, truly have looked around? Because I think a part that's what this podcast is about. Like, what do you do, right? So now let's pretend we have. We've looked around. We've tried to find those communities. It just doesn't exist inside yeah. of this organization or we're not finding it. Is it time to move on then? And if so, how do you make sure 
Arthur, that you don't make the same mistake again and land in another organization that you're going to feel the same way about? Yeah, it's an important question, Robert. And I think part of what we have to acknowledge in our sense of belonging is that work is a portfolio and that our full-time jobs are a major part of that portfolio. But there is so much within the confines of those full-time jobs that we can influence. And I think these stories like that of the hospital janitor give us maybe a little bit more creative autonomy than we maybe acknowledged before, right? There are sure. things we can influence. In that portfolio, there are things outside of our full-time job we also can influence. And many folks decide to join boards or decide to engage outside of work activities so that they can find a greater sense of belonging that maybe addresses the lack of belonging they have at work. And I think you also bring up a great point, which is sometimes we acknowledge what's happening here today and we say, wow, I'm in a place, you know, the, the major areas where Amy Wozniewski and the team found that job crafting, by the way, wasn't possible was in a place where you, where you realize the values of my organization are so disconnected from the values that I stand for. If you have a, a leader, a manager who is just purely blocking your development and could not be more resistant to anything you change, and if you basically are completely in the wrong role where your skills and your capabilities don't line up to what you're doing and you're trying to job craft in an area where you're just not in the right position to begin with. These are telltale signs that you might be ready for a change, right? Well, and if you decide that this is no longer the job for me, for whatever mm -hmm. reason, are there telltale signs that you can look for in the next company to try and ensure that you are finding a better fit? Yeah. The first thing is that your assessment of your next organization should begin the moment you're first interacting with any part of that organization. You should be looking for clues at every stage of the process, not just reading the job description, but, but really looking at how you're treated. Do you seem to be celebrated for who you are when you're having that initial contact with a recruiter? Are you feeling like the organization in what it delivers as a product stands for your values? Because it's one thing to, to sort of communicate this on a career page, but it's another to put it into practice um, in terms of what your organization actually does every day. When you're walking into an interview, do you feel like you are understood and embraced? And each of these different touch points is a different clue as to how you will feel when you're in the organization. At each of the steps along the way, I think we have to truly ask ourselves how we feel. And if in the end of that process, we're, we're saying, wow, I was seeing some nice stock footage up on the site about how much diversity and inclusion matter. But I'm not really sensing that culturally from what I'm experiencing here. That's something we have to pay attention to. Yeah. And I'm so proud about the fact that job seekers and the community alike are holding employers accountable in a way that we've never seen before um, for authenticity in, in, in this experience. And employers are beginning to realize we can't just put the stock photo up. We have to actually live these values if we really stand for that. Well, they that have to be reflected in what people do. Absolutely. Because that, that's something that I was going to jump on to is find me a company that on their career site does not mention diversity and inclusion and all the right words anymore, right? It kind of doesn't exist. That career sites are awash with mm -hmm. appropriate statements. So I really like what you're saying about testing the company. It's not enough to read those words on the career site. You really need to kind of test the theory when you're in those conversations with recruiters. And then I'd also add big time to probably test it is when you're talking to your hiring manager. You, Absolutely. You, you may oh my have gosh. Several, yeah, you may have several interviews that occur with uh, somebody that you're not actually going to interact with on a daily basis. And so that's the time to really bring it up. That's right. I have a question, Arthur, as we get into this. Yeah. We've talked a lot about what you should do. Is there anything when you've seen people dealing with a sense of belonging that they shouldn't do? What, what advice would you say 
in that area to say there's yeah. a right and a wrong way to deal with the feeling that you don't belong? I think the first is you shouldn't feel like you, you have to put your head down and not make waves. I think for so long, so many marginalized communities, when they don't feel a sense of belonging, have been taught. And oftentimes by role models, don't raise your hand, don't make a big deal, uh, just kind of toe the line. And I think we have to use coachable moments when we're not treated well, um, when we don't feel like someone truly understands us or embraces us to use that as a chance for people to learn and to acknowledge what's happening then and there. And I think, again, we're seeing more and more empowerment right now for people to raise their hand, call out micro inequities, use those coachable moments because there's a lot of intent right now, but it isn't always leading to change and to impact. And so don't miss that opportunity. I think when we talk about things like job crafting, it's very easy for people to immediately hear, oh, this means throw away what I do. It means just go veer off and create my own portfolio of work. And then the company is going to embrace that. It's like, that, that isn't what it means. It means it means shifting the way we approach our daily work and the way we think about it and the way we involve others in it in a way that fits with our values, but still delivers on what we've promised to deliver in, in our organizations. It's understanding that this is not a retreat. It's not a disruption. It's, a, it's an evolution, right? And that's important because it's very easy for folks to kind of turn everything on its head in this kind of a thought process, right? I like what you said about the coachable moments. And I think that's one of the things that there's that idea of assume positive intent. I think a lot of times things that are perceived by microaggressions probably aren't meant as microaggressions. If you've got a dominant culture, they don't realize that it's in some ways maybe a non-inclusive culture. Mm. I think a lot of that. So I think that point you say, it's almost like the job crafting, that it's a chance to see if you can tell people if you're comfortable to express that. And then I think you probably do realize pretty quickly, depending on how they respond, that tells you whether or not there's hope of changing the culture. But I do think that's an important point that you made, which is, if I heard it right, don't be adversarial about it. Mm. Seek for right. understanding, not judgment. That's right. First of all, don't miss the opportunity to say something. Second, say it and bring this up in a way that's a coachable moment. That's your point, Steve. It assumes positive intent, but doesn't miss the opportunity to have that really meaningful conversation, which could be transformational for the other person. And by the way, it could be the first time they've actually had that conversation. So don't miss that opportunity to have it because it could actually change everything for that person moving forward. Out of curiosity, Arthur, have you had a conversation like that that you can share that kind of transformed the other person's life, right? Gave them insight into something they were doing that they just didn't understand before? Yeah. Well, you know, I think what's more is I've been on both sides of this. I've had really brave colleagues feel empowered to speak up and, and mention something to me where I stepped out of bounds. I said something that w- would be interpreted the right way and it wasn't. And that was an, an amazing coachable moment for me because I'm yeah. also on this journey, I think, like everyone else. And certainly I've been able to have similar conversations with other colleagues where, again, just assuming positive intent and being constructive, but also being informative and not kind of backing down on bringing this up. And it's been well received. And by the way, it's been a a weight almost lifted off of both shoulders. Because I think when someone experiences a micro inequity, it gets suppressed, it sort of sits with them, it eats away at them. And any kind of lack of transparency of that also can really impact the other person. You know, I think it just it's like a freeing moment when you have these coachable conversations, right? I, I like what you're saying, too, because I think part of this belonging is we have to remember that it's both something we seek, but it's also something we practice. And I'm reminded of mm. talking to a person that focuses on inclusion for people with disabilities. And the point mm. they made is said, this isn't about other people. This is about all of us, because 
Her point was, if we are lucky to live long enough, all of us will become disabled at some point in our life. Yeah, right. This isn't about right. helping other people. It's about creating an environment that helps all of us. Because all of us, if we haven't yet, will at some point experience a sense where we feel like we're not being included for that's the right. wrong reasons. And I think that's a really just good life tip in general. Wow. Well, yeah. Robert, I am like, my head's full of <laughs> belonging. But Robert, do you have any last questions? You know, we usually kind of ask just in parting, is there anything we missed? Any parting words or advice that you'd provide to people who are facing these kinds of issues. I interviewed Elliot Maisie, uh, the father of e-learning a couple weeks ago for a new book that we're writing. And he had this awesome quote. Now, Elliot's like the, the consummate ally, by the way. He's just been one of the most amazing advocates for different communities that he, he's not in personally, but he's an ally for. And he said, if we as leaders want to embrace diversity in our organizations, we have to embrace it in our lives. The way that we go about really leading inclusively is not just to say, I'm focused on hiring on my team and we, we have all these organization initiatives, but it's to say, I'm actually taking conscious steps every day in my life to reach out to new communities, to gain new perspective and to be an inclusive person. And I thought that was so amazing because it's easy to compartmentalize this topic to our work lives and what we do as leaders at work and then to go back and retreat to whatever we do at home. And it's the intersection of those two that really is authenticity as leaders, right? That we practice all of this at home as much as we do in the workplace. And I thought that was awesome. That is excellent. And I love the humility of it too. And, and just recognizing that you are a work in progress mm. and that we all, th this is hard. This is really tough because we all have unconscious biases and none of us want them. Well, thank you, Arthur. We really appreciate you. Thank you both. This was wonderful. I really enjoyed the conversation and appreciate all your thoughtful questions. I found what Arthur was talking about on belonging so powerful in terms of the ability of what you can do about it, because it's an area where you, I think there's a tendency to think it's that people complain about it. And it's like, oh, it's that other people are doing this to me, which is true in part, but there's also a lot that you can do in your own to focus on it. The things that I took away were one, his point, don't ignore it, but there's a constructive way to deal with it. You never once heard anything about like complaining or injustice or the wrongness of the world. He never mm -hmm. said any of those things. And even though often I think people have a right to complain, that wasn't his focus. His focus was on be constructive with what you can do. Look for the teachable moments. See if you can change the culture. And even if you can't change the culture, focus on these micro things, the job sculpting. Find the places in your job where you feel appreciated. Find the places where the job can allow you to grow. Seek out the relationships. I thought that was such a powerful way of approaching this. And you don't hear much of that kind of conversation in the discussion of diversity and inclusion very often, which is yeah. kind of the larger theme of this. I completely agree. And I, I like it as well, because if nobody does this, nothing changes. We kind of all have to engage in job sculpting. If for no other reason, then we won't see the change that we all need in the world, right? And I was thinking as you were saying there, part of what Arthur said too was listen. Make sure you're listening to people who may not feel like they belong. And that does a lot. What if we all had one of those conversations? Maybe if there's one lesson to take away from this episode, it, it really is that we are all crafting the companies we want to live in. As they say, be the change you want to see. All right, that's our show for today, everyone. Thanks to our guest, Arthur Woods, for joining us. Thanks to our editor and chief sanity officer, Morgan Gartner, and to Domi Caputo, both 
from the SAP.io Foundry program for making this show possible. Thank you to Claudia Weller and the whole Open SAP team for supporting this and so much other educational programming for professionals. If you enjoyed this podcast, we hope to have earned a new subscriber and perhaps a quick rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be sure to get you more information in our show notes. So if you're looking for more on Arthur Woods, Matheson, or SAP, please look no further than that. We look forward to seeing you on the next podcast because what matters? Well, today, belonging matters. Work matters. Thanks for joining us on the Work Matters Podcast.